Let me pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much that you're good. You're good and kind, faithful and true. You are gentle and lowly of heart, um, that you bid us to come to you um, with our burdens, with our wearies, our our sorrows, whatever it may be. Um, We come to you. Lord, help us to um, take your yoke upon us, um, that we would learn from you. Um, that you who are gentle and lowly, that we likewise would be gentle and lowly towards others. Uh, Lord, I just pray um, this morning as we um, come to the end of our time um, working through um, this class and thinking again, Lord, I pray that it would be profitable, um, that it wouldn't just have been a fun time, but that we would be equipped to counsel both our own hearts and souls, but also others, Um, that we would um, be able to take this and encourage one another um, in the church, all the more as we see the day drawing near. So bless this time, pray it be used uh, for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, I need some water here. So just in case I forget, I'm going to say it up front. Next week, um, we're all together in the sanctuary, okay? So we're going to kind of do a, um, Mike's class is ending, we're kind of going to do a summary of this class. Um, but we'd also thought it'd be good to get everyone in on this. You know, if you weren't here all these eight weeks, hopefully everyone there, it's like, okay, here's what we talked about. Here's why it was important. But it's not all going to be review. I've got a lot of stuff. Okay, where do we go from here? So kind of like summary and prospect. What do we do? Um, how do we take this and, and move on? Okay, so next week, 9 a.m., we're all going to be in the sanctuary. Um, also, this morning, we're already running a little behind because of me. But I want to try and leave some time at the end maybe like five minutes, if there's anything that you guys are like, hey, this was really good in the class. Can you talk about that again? I I, I need to be reminded of that. Or it's like, hey, this wasn't very clear. Can you bring that back up? Does that make sense? Anything that we've we've talked about. Um, And so I'll I'll try and give you guys some time at the end. So um, last week was kind of our main final section, um, right? We're talking about moving from introspection to Christ inspection. This is kind of full circle. Okay, we're moving away from this, moving to um, looking at Christ. Um, Lloyd-Jones really gets at the core of what we're saying here, right? There's only one way to get rid of self, and that's you should become so absorbed in someone or something else that you have no time to think about yourself. There's a number of ways. We talked about how we contemplate Christ, how we uh, think of God, and how we move from ourselves to Him, right? We said remind ourselves of the gospel. We've mentioned that so many times in this class. Um, Studying the attributes and the works of God. That's another way you can do that. You can look to Christ specifically. We looked at John 15, right? Abide in me. It's a very active um, thing we do with our, our mind, our affections, our will. We abide in Christ. And so we only spent one week on, you know, kind of introspection and Christ inspection, but that's really, that's like the end goal of this whole class, right, is to, to get you off of yourself and looking to Christ. And so that's really, really important. It's been a couple weeks looking at godly grief and worldly grief from, from 2 Corinthians 7. And this is where, um, with the book we're looking at this morning, I really want to return back to this, really, um, kind of going back to these thoughts that go on in our mind or our conscience, right? So kind of that, that section of you know, self-examination, asking questions, or introspection and condemning statements, both of those, whether it's godly or worldly, wherever it is, those are typically conversations we're having with ourselves in our minds, right? Those are just thoughts we're having. Maybe some of us, you know, we say our thoughts out loud, and we're like, I shouldn't have said that, um, right? Um, but generally, it's going on in our head, right? The, these conversations we're having with ourselves. And so I thought that this book... 
Um, a still and quiet mind. There's a wonderful picture of it. Look at that. So pretty. Um, so that was if, if you guys want the book at the end of today. It's called A Still and Quiet Mind, 12 Strategies for Changing, our thought, uh, Changing Unwanted Thoughts by Esther Smith. And I heard of it because it won some, I think it won like Gospel Coalition Book of the Year Award for Counseling. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was teaching this class, in, or I was going to, and I was like, oh, that might be, might be helpful. And sure enough, it was. Um, I think it's a good book. I would recommend it. Um, we'll, we're, it's 12 chapters. And initially when I was planning to do this class, I was going to do one week. She breaks up into three sections, four chapters, four chapters, four chapters. And I was like, oh, that'd be good to do one week on each. And it was just providentially didn't work out that way. So we're just going to run through. I can't run through all of them. We're going to do, I think, six um, and kind of see how they're helpful. So she has some titles like Know Your Thoughts, Focus Your Thoughts, Dismiss Your Thoughts. And she says up front, not all of these are going to work with every single person. And she has a lot of, it's a really, what I like it, what I liked about it is it's real practical. Like it's like, hey, if this is your problem, Here's 10 pages on why you should do it. And then it's like four pages of like, okay, now do this with me. Pause and reflect and do this. And so if you don't do that, it's probably not going to be as profitable. Um, but if you do the exercises, they're actually really helpful. Um, I would say it's written by a lady, but that doesn't mean guys can't read it, okay? Um, I thought it was real helpful. Some, some of them, I was like, okay, like, this isn't helping me. Maybe it'll help a lady, but it's not going to help me. Um, I, I, was, I was just like, it wasn't, I was like, this is not connecting. I was like, I'm just going to move through this one relatively quick. But that's very few, okay? Um, that, that's not a lot. So I, I think it is at points geared towards ladies a little bit more, but that's not to say we can't, we can't profit off of it. Um, so let's just work through some of those main points. If you have the notes there, we're just going to go through. Yes? Just quickly, the godly <coughs> definition yeah. what without reframing? I'm not sure. Okay. Let's go back. Yes. Yeah, and that's just from 2 Corinthians 7.10, I think says, godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I think it's 2 Corinthians 7, 10, or 7, 11. 2 Corinthians 7. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that was kind of a summary after we... we yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, still in quiet mind. So she starts, she kind of goes through, um, I think the introduction I, I found real insightful, even just the title rather than a still and quiet mind. The introduction is called a loud and restless mind. Um, and I think typically that's where a lot of us are, if we're honest with ourselves. We have a lot of just noise going on in our thoughts, and we typically don't tune out that white noise. I'll talk about that later. Um, but sometimes we have worried and anxious thoughts, right? What if I look stupid and say something wrong? How am I going to pay these bills? So maybe there's some worry or there's some anxious thoughts. Maybe depressed, hopeless self-deprecating thoughts. I'm worthless. I'm pathetic. This will never get better. People are better off without me. Um, sinful thoughts. I hate this person, okay? I mean, there's all kinds of thoughts we can have. Intrusive thoughts, thoughts related to past trauma, unwanted thoughts about unwanted thoughts. Like, you can just have all kinds of thoughts. We have a lot of thoughts, okay? We think a lot, okay? And sometimes it's just a lot of noise going on in our heads. We could go on and on. Romans 12.2 is very clear. I don't have this on the on the screen, but Romans 12, 2 is clear that if we're in Christ, we need to be, what, transformed by the renewal of your, what, of your mind, right? So God is very much concerned with our minds, what we think. We need to increasingly become spiritually minded people, as Romans 8, 5 through 6 is talking about. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit Set their minds on the things of the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the, on the spirit is life and peace. And so if we're constantly setting our minds, filling our thoughts with things pertaining to this world, Paul ultimately says, well, what's the end of that? Death, right? You might think, whoa, like that's kind of a that's kind of drastic, like death, right? But really, he's been making an argument all throughout Romans, right? That we are either in Adam or we are in Christ. There's only two kinds of people, right? We are either fleshly people or spiritual people, which he makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or you could just simply say we are either non-believers or we are believers, right? And so believers um, live according to the Spirit, but at the same time, we need to preach to ourselves that we need to live according to the Spirit, right? Because the flesh is constantly pulling us back. And so we need to deliberately set our minds on the things of the Spirit. So we need to continually put those deeds of the flesh to death. Um, like I said, you know, we can do that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to jump in, start with number one on your notes there. <clears throat> and by the way, on any of these, feel free to jump in at any point if you're like, what is, that doesn't make sense, or it's like, that's not really helpful for me. Or it's like, hey, that is really helpful because X, Y, or Z, you know, if you want to give some, some practical examples. That's great. I'm totally fine with people jumping in. So number one, know your thoughts. Number one, know your thoughts. So before we seek to change our thoughts, we actually need to know what we're thinking. All right? It's pretty simple, but actually might be a little more complicated. Let's say you've got some unwanted thought, literally anything, any type of thought that you're like, I don't want to think this, or whatever it is. You're struggling with it, and you're so obsessed about it that it's leading you to introspection. Okay? There's any thought. Okay? Um, Ask yourself these four questions. So these are the points. I found this really, really helpful. Like I was like, I'm going to bookmark this page. I'm going to come back to this. I found this really helpful. So point A, is this thought true? Is this thought true? I didn't, it says number one, point A. I didn't go back and change this. Point A, is this thought true? Okay. Is this thought true? Philippians 4.8, so clear, so simple. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... And then he goes on, listing all this stuff, whatever's commendable, whatever's worthy of praise, if there's anything like this. But you can just do this. Whatever is true, and then go to the end of the verse, the imperative, think about these things, okay? So the Bible is very, very clear. This is a command. You must think about things that are true, okay? Don't think about things that are not true, okay? If it's false or if it's a hypothetical or whatever, do not stress over it. You need to set your mind. You need to think about what is true. It's a simple command. Which, by the way, if it's a command, it means if we don't do it, it's what? That's sin, right? So if we're th filling our minds with untrue things, that's sinful. So we need to repent and turn from that, okay? Is this thought true? Well, people would be better off without me. That's not true. I'm worthless. No, you're not. That's not true. Don't think about that. And I'll just say this, you'll, you're, you're going to spare yourself a lot of anxiety, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of just that down the rabbit hole of depression and introspection if you just start here, okay? Is this thought true, okay? Point B, is this thought helpful? Is this thought helpful? Just because something is true still doesn't mean you should think about it. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's helpful to think about it. Yes, it might be true, that you have a really important business meeting tomorrow at, you know, noon or whatever. But you probably should not be obsessing about it at 2 a.m., right? 
No, because you need to sleep and get ready for that meeting. If you're up typically all night before that meeting, you're going to bomb that meeting, okay? That presentation you have to make, okay? You need to learn from that. Ah, I actually probably need to prep for that the day before or two days before, okay? So just because it's true you have a meeting the next morning, it's probably not helpful to obsess about it at 2 a.m. That's a simple illustration, okay? Let's make it, you know, think about it Christian and Christian lingo. Yes, it's true that you struggle with sin, but dwelling on your sin nature and how pathetic and terrible you think you are probably is not helpful, right? Yes, it's true that you struggle with sin, but is it helpful to obsess over your sin, right? So it might be true, but is it helpful? Ask yourself, is it helpful to have this thought? Does it help my holiness? Okay, it needs to be true. It needs to be helpful. Point C, is this thought appropriate to my situation? Is this thought appropriate to my situation? It's similar to the point above, but it's a little different. <clears throat> right? If a mountain lion is chasing you to eat you as a snack, right? it's appropriate to have fear in that situation. You should fear. You've got to get out of there because you're going to get munched on. Okay? It is appropriate to have fear. Yes, you should get out of there. That's God-given fear. Okay? I mean, that's kind of a, you know, funny. Well, it's not really funny if a mountain lion's right. That's not good. But you know what I'm saying, right? But you, you take this to, you know, 2 Corinthians 7, godly grief as a result of, a result of sin. Those uh, sorrowful thoughts over your sin, that is appropriate to your situation. So just because a thought is uncomfortable or it might be difficult or hard doesn't mean we shouldn't think it, right? There actually are times where we should have those um, hard thoughts. Smith says, it's a real helpful quote. Biblically faithful thoughts are sometimes difficult and unpleasant thoughts. That's where I think, you know, there's a big difference between biblical counseling and kind of, you know, the secular world of psychology is, you know, anything negative, just don't think about that. You need to only think about the positive. Well, we know from Scripture there is a lot of negative stuff that is true about us, and sometimes it is helpful, right, to, like, turn from your sin, and it's appropriate to be sorrowful over that sin, right? You see where we're going with there? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it appropriate to my situation? Point D, is this thought complete? Is this thought complete? Jim Packer says in his book, A Quest for Godliness, a half-truth masquerading as a whole truth becomes a complete untruth. A half-truth masquerading as a whole truth becomes a complete untruth. So maybe it's true. Maybe it's helpful. It might be appropriate to your situation, but is the thought complete. What do I mean by that? Well, yes, it's true that you're a sinner, but what truth do you also need to hold alongside that truth? Well, yes, it's true that I'm a sinner, but I'm a sinner redeemed by grace, right? I have a righteousness that is not my own. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit within me. He is sanctifying me, okay? You see what I'm saying? So you can't stop at, yes, it's true I'm a sinner. You also need to complete that. You see what I'm saying? Right? So, and you can apply this, you know, not only to sin, but it could be true that you're suffering, right? What truth about God's grace, his mercy, or his providence do you need to hold alongside the truth that you are suffering? Yes, I'm suffering, but God is faithful, right? And you could go on and on, right? Your problems are too big for you to handle. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by my bills or all these things that I have to do. Well, God has graciously provided, you know, wise biblical wisdom in his word, but also biblical counseling that I can receive at my church, right? So you see the, how we hold both there? We have to, it has to be true, has to be helpful, needs to be appropriate, 
and is it complete? So complete that thought. I wanted to read from this on page 30, as long as I didn't lose my spot. Yeah. Kind of how this works practically in real time. Okay. Okay. I, I get that. What does that look like? Okay. So here's kind of a, you know, a conversation you could have with yourself. Just bear with me a little bit. So knowing the right questions to ask is a good place to start, but the real challenge is to develop the ability to bring these questions to mind when we need them the most. We want to be able to interrupt our thoughts in real time with these questions. Here's what that might look like. James is standing in the kitchen making dinner. A thought pops into his head. No one likes me. Normally, he would hop right on that train. He'd carry him unawares into spiraling thoughts of hopelessness, depression, and self-loathing. But this time, he steps off the train and he looks at the thought curiously. He asks himself the four questions and answers them honestly. So here they are in real time. Is this thought true? Well, not completely. Some people do like me, my wife, my kids, my friend Ben. Most people, when they first meet me, but it's legitimately true that people at work seem to dislike me. It's so hard to go to work when the rest of my team ignores me and talks about me behind my back. Okay, what about helpful? Is this thought helpful? And is it appropriate to what I'm going through? Well, yes and no. It's not helpful to exaggerate and say that no one likes me, but it could be both helpful and appropriate to think about the fact that people at work are mistreating me so I can figure out how to respond to them. It's also understandable this is making me upset. I'm making difficult but honest work decisions that people don't like and the fallout has been awful. Of course, I'm going to have difficult thoughts about it. Is this thought complete? Definitely not. People at work don't like me, but their opinion of me doesn't define me. It helps when I remember my family and all my friends who love me and appreciate me. More important than that, I have to remember that pleasing people isn't the goal of my life. I can't place my peace on people liking me. At the end of the day, I'm to be faithful to what God asks of me at work and then rest in his love for me. God, can you help me remember that? I know you're here with me right now, and I'm really struggling to not be so affected by this. Please help me to remember how you see me and let your opinion feel more important than what other people think of me. Okay. See how it's kind of worked out in real time and what that looks like? So hopefully that's helpful. I, I found this maybe the most helpful part of the book. So remember those questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it appropriate to my situation? Is it complete? And if you notice there at the end, this kind of leads into our next point. Notice how you go through this, and then in the example, what's his name, James, he ends in prayer. Lord, please help me. That's perfect. That's where you want to go, right? And that's actually the next point, another strategy. Number two, pray your thoughts. Pray your thoughts. <clears throat> I want to put up a quote here by <clears throat> Paul Miller. The best our world has to offer is to teach you how to talk to yourself. Change what you tell yourself and your feelings about what happened will change. Change your self-talk and how you feel about yourself will change. But Jesus lives and teaches something different. He teaches you how to stop talking to yourself. He shows you how to start talking with the God who rules the world, who has freely chosen to take your best interests to heart. And so, you know, we talked about how introspection, I would argue, typically makes condemning statements. You're worthless, you're pathetic, and you just go down that rabbit hole. And, you know, I made the point maybe godly grief is asking good questions, right? Like kind of what we were just talking about. There's also a point where you just need to stop talking to yourself and talk to God, right? Go to him in prayer. So if God speaks to us in his word, we respond to him in prayer. Prayer is not a, you know, God does not speak to us in prayer. Sometimes there's some weird mysticism about that. God speaks to us in his word and we respond in prayer. That's actually what's going on there in prayer. And so God teaches us how to stop talking to ourselves. We, have, we probably haven't talked about prayer enough, but it's vital, okay? Prayer is vital if we're going to fight 
this battle. Um, it, related to this, she talks about another point is disentangling your thoughts. I'm not going to talk about this one, but disentangling your thoughts is good. Typically, some of these conversations we have in our mind, it's probably good to sometimes just say your thoughts out loud, maybe to another person, because when you say something out loud, you realize that was actually, that's really dumb, <laughs> right? Like sometimes you say your thought out loud and you're talking to someone who loves you, you know, your wife or a good, good friend, um, and they're like, yeah, that's just not true at all, right? And so disentangling your thoughts, you know, sometimes when you say those things out loud, you realize, okay, yeah, this is not true. This is not helpful. This isn't appropriate to my situation. This isn't anywhere near of a complete thought. And so pray your thoughts, disentangle your thoughts. Number three, rest your thoughts. Rest your thoughts. This chapter was a really good reminder for me on the dangers of technology. The dangers of technology. It's true. There's some great stuff out there, but it's also a lot of junk, okay? <laughs> and there's a lot of problems you can get yourself into with technology. Um, this is where I mentioned this at the beginning. If you're anything like me, I really like white noise, like just background noise, listening to music or, you know, when I'm at home, just having something going on in the background. We don't like silence, okay? And I would argue, generally speaking, that's not good all the time. We do need to step back and be quiet. Um, or, or maybe, you know, anytime you have a free moment, right? You're working hard, you're doing whatever. And it's just like, okay, I finished this email I have to send. Okay, I got to check my phone because I think I got some notifications, okay? It's just constant, right? Constantly, oh, I'm missing out on something. We're constantly attached to our cell phones. You're having trouble sleeping. And so what do you do? You check Facebook or Instagram at 1 a.m. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not going to help you fall asleep, <laughs> okay? Don't do that. Okay, like it, it, sometimes it's just real practical, simple, okay, stop doing that, <laughs> okay? Read a book that will put you to sleep, okay? Um, read something dry and boring. I have plenty of dry, boring books if you need to read yourself to sleep, okay? Um, we need to rest our minds. I want to read another quote here from page, um, this is 46, yeah. Just listen to this. Our minds need rest just as much as our hearts and souls do. This rest can be difficult to find because many of us live in a constant state of hurry and distraction. We throw ourselves into work and schedule ourselves to the brim. We avoid silence and solitude and use digital technology every moment we are forced to be alone. While I'm quick to embrace the many benefits of technology, statistics force us to reckon with the concerning impact that smartphones, social media, and mindless consumption of information and entertainment can have on the state of our minds. High levels of smartphone usage increase people's likelihood of anxiety and their perceived levels of stress. Experts have attributed alarming rises in teen suicide and depression in part to the introduction of social media and the smartphone. Unchecked technology usage can disrupt sleep and decrease our desire to seek out in-person community. Without adequate sleep and people to help us sort through our thoughts, the process of change can become more difficult. It's ironic that we often turn back to technology to alleviate our thought-related problems. This is a really good quote. Our phones have become digital pacifiers that help us to avoid difficult feelings and problematic thoughts. I realized this tendency in myself when the Screen Time app was released on my iPhone. And I would say, this is true for me too. Screen Time app was a wonderful thing. I was surprised by how much my phone usage increased on days when I was anxious. Instead of pausing to know my thoughts or pray through my thinking, I would reach for my phone and scroll. Richard Foster has called the distraction of constant technology the primary spiritual problem in contemporary culture. 
the multitasking encouraged by internet-enabled technologies has hijacked our attentional capacity. I was just talking to someone, too, that they're a big reader. They love reading. And he was like, man, I think it's because of like, my smartphone usage and social media. He's like, I can't read big books anymore. He's like, I'm used to reading five minutes. Because we're used to, right, you know, social media, you read an article or something like that, it's like five minutes. It's like being able to sit down and work through, you know, an argument or some type of, you know, like a biography or something like that for an hour is just hard because we need to interrupt it every five minutes, okay? Um, we have less space, desire, and ability to examine our thoughts in the solitude of our own minds. We have fewer moments of quiet and less ability to concentrate on bringing our thoughts to God in prayer for any length of time. In response to our hurry and distraction, God extends an invitation. As I look through scripture, I imagine him speaking these words to you and to me. Come away to a restful place. Mark 6.31, which is what Jesus did. He went away to a restful place to pray. Slow down and savor the beauty and goodness in the world I've created. Let me show you how it reveals who I am. And so, honestly, sometimes you just got to put the phone somewhere else, okay? I, this is helpful for me. Um, I'm not perfect at this, but when I, go, when I get home, uh, my phone goes on the coffee table, okay? And so if I, if, and I have like an unwritten rule in my head, I'm not perfect at this, but if I want to check my phone, I can't sit down. I need to go stand up at the coffee table and use it and then put it down. Because it's easy, right? You sit down and it's just like, you're just scrolling, you're just going through, right? I mean, I've even, I don't have social media, and I would just say, if you're like, I can't delete Facebook, I can't delete Instagram, I've spent years developing all these followers, that was me, like within 30 seconds, I was like, why did I ever have this? Just get rid of it. If it's a problem, just get rid of it. Honestly, the, my big thing was like, oh, but then all the people who care about me, like, you know, I have, you know, 500 friends. No, you don't. You have like 50 <laughs> friends. Like, <coughs> the people who are actually your friends are going to stay in contact with you. Like, like I've realized. Like, like, you know, like that one person from high school that you talked to once, and they've been your friend for 10 years, and they like your picture. It's like, they don't care. Like, I don't care about them either. Like, really, it's like, I don't know them. <laughs> Like, well, no, I'm just saying, like, they live somewhere else, okay? Like, I just don't know. It's, honestly, a lot of it's just artificial. It's not real. Um, so just get rid of it if it's a problem. Um, maybe you don't need to get rid of it, but, you know, have an accountability partner or, or, or set on your phone, you know, screen time limits. We just have, okay, I can only be on Facebook 30 minutes a day, okay? I can only be on Instagram 30 minutes a day, okay? Something like that. Um, something. Get rid of the information overload, okay? Generally speaking, I would argue they make you think more about yourself and less about God, okay? So if that's true, realize that your phone is using you, you're not using it, okay? That product is using you, okay? If you haven't seen, by the way, if anyone still has Netflix, has anyone seen The Social Dilemma? Super good, okay? It pretty much confirmed everything I already knew, and I was like, I'm getting rid of all this stuff. Uh, the Social Dilemma, super good documentary, super good. Um, so, and I don't think there's anything, I think it's like TVG. There might be a couple of bad words. I don't think so. It's, it's really well done. Um, so I, I'd highly recommend that. Um, social dilemma. Okay, moving on. Psalm 4610, be still, know that I am God. So unplug, delight in God. I would just also add this real quickly on time management. Um, this is typically our problem. Um, John Piper once said, I don't want to get this wrong. It was something like this. This is like a really ouch quote. Ugh punches you right in the soul. One of the great uses of social media is that on the last day, it will be revealed that our prayerlessness was not due to a lack of time. Oh, that's true, right? One of the great uses of social media is that it's going to be revealed that we actually had plenty of time, okay? 
George Swinnick has been one of my favorite um, dead Puritan pastors. How much do you squander away in long meals, in vain sports, in idle discourse, in superfluous sleep? And yet, have you the face to tell God that you have no time in a whole day to seek his favor and to mind your eternal felicity? The truth is you do not so much want time as waste time. Right? With want time there, he's saying, um, you know, truth is not so much that you, you know, have need of it. Right? You have plenty of time. That's the want. Right? You have time. It's that we waste time. Do not think there will be a sufficient excuse at the last day, and this is probably where Piper's getting it from, I don't know, to tell God that your devotion was neglected because your earthly occasions abounded and pressed upon you. And actually in that chapter there, he's talking about work. Um, he's talking about actually gainful employment. Um, and so this is true. How much more with just you know, frivolous time wasting, right? The, the, the pleasure time that we have. And so I, I'm not saying you have to get rid of it. God has given us pleasures that we can enjoy, but make sure that we're taking ownership of them, not they're taking ownership of us, right? Okay. Um, let me move on here because we got to keep moving here. I'm running out of time. Number four, focus your thoughts. <coughs> Number four, focus your thoughts. If you guys have seen Inception, it's one of my favorite movies. Maybe you remember from the beginning where Arthur, he's explaining Inception. And to give a negative example, he's like, he's explaining to Saito, he's like, don't think about elephants. What do you think about? You think about elephants, Okay. Um, and his point is saying, that's not your thought. I gave it to you, and then I won't go down that. You need to watch the movie. Great movie. Um, but you need to focus your thoughts, okay? Focus your thoughts. It's easier to focus on a thought than to focus away from a thought. We struggle to change our thoughts because our goal is to willpower our way into not thinking about something. And this goes back to that glass beaker, right? Remember we were talking about that? It's got air in it. How do I get the air out of it? Don't focus so much on getting the air out of it. Just put water into it, okay? Put something else into it. It's the same thing. If we're saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to think about this. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's not going to work, okay? Think about something else, right? Do something else. If you're, you know, you're head down, depressed, and you're just, ugh, ho-hum, right? Do something else. Deliberately immerse yourself in Scripture, Right? Uh, pray with the Psalms. Um, spend time with others. Go play Catan with your Christian friends. Okay? Read a good book. Do something else. Right? Just don't focus on yourself. There's actually a lot of joy to be found in not thinking about yourself. There's a lot of fun when you're asking so-and-so, hey, how's your day going? And you talk about that. There's joy found in that. So do that. Pursue the interests of one another. Moving quickly here. Number five, capture your thoughts. Number five, capture your thoughts. You can remember, well, maybe you remember, I don't know, we went, this is like week one. Second Corinthians 10, four and five, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. This goes back to, you know, we're talking about fighting the good fight of the faith. This is that warfare imagery, right? Paul is, you know, giving us the instruments of warfare to fight the Christian life, really, to continue on. We are soldiers in Christ, right? We need to take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's calling us to arms. Evil and sinful thoughts need to be taken captive, and they need to be destroyed. Um, let me see, I'll quote this one. Yeah, we got time. She has a really good quote on this. <clears throat> um, 
This, this, sometimes people will use this verse, you know, just because a thought is unpleasant, I've already talked about this, just because it's unpleasant doesn't mean we should stop thinking about it. Sometimes we do have to think unpleasant thoughts. We can't assume that a thought needs to be taken captive just because it's painful, upsetting, or unwanted. The distress level caused by a thought does not correlate with the sinfulness or virtue of that thought. Painful thoughts do not equal sinful thoughts. Pleasant thoughts do not equal virtuous or moral thoughts. A sexual fantasy can be both pleasant and unholy. The painful thought of living the rest of your life without a loved one is upsetting, normal, and a sign of how much you love that person. Taking every thought captive doesn't mean seizing thoughts that are distressing and negative and replacing them with thoughts that are pleasant and positive. It means moving toward obedient thoughts that reflect the knowledge of God. Okay? So we need to take every thought captive. We capture our thoughts. I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pain. Yeah. Yeah, thinking about your sin that nailed Christ to the cross to bear the wrath of God in our place is not a pleasant thought initially. Reflecting on your sin, reflecting on the grace of God, I mean, that's the most pleasant thought you can have. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. She says here later on when the invitation to confess sin triggers a desire to self protect, This is often because we have lost sight of how freeing it is to bring our sins before the Lord. No matter what I find in my head and my heart, as a believer, I can be assured that acknowledging my sinful thoughts doesn't open a door that ends in guilt, shame, or condemnation. It opens a door to liberation. It's true. It's very, very true. Number six, dismiss your thoughts. Oh, yes. Maybe. Maybe. Was it in the book? Probably. Yes, yes. Uh, it means moving toward obedient thoughts that reflect a knowledge of God. So it was okay. Yeah. Taking every thought captive doesn't mean seizing thoughts that are distressing, negative, and replacing them with thoughts that are pleasant and positive. It means moving toward obedient thoughts that reflect a knowledge of God. Yep. Number six. Dismiss your thoughts. Dismiss your thoughts. It's not uncommon. I, it, she actually has a statistic. It's like 95% of people. Um, sometimes you just have bizarre outlandish thoughts, okay? Or sometimes you just have like bizarre dreams that you're like, I have no idea where that came from, okay? It's like, I wasn't thinking about anything like that. And it's just like, that was not a pleasant dream, okay? Sometimes that'll happen, okay? You're not crazy. That sometimes just happens. Sometimes you'll have these morally repulsive, you know, just random thoughts or dreams that pop up. And it's just like, well, where does that come from, Okay? Um, I would just say, well, let me just quote Smith here first. Just because you think a thought does not mean you desire it or are likely to act on it. Just because a thought crosses your mind does not mean it's true or that you even believe it. It's just a thought. You can dismiss it as such, okay? Um, Michael Emlett, he's another solid um, biblical teacher, uh, biblical counselor, and he adds this, intrusive thoughts. Think of these just random, sometimes sinful thoughts that we have um, that come up out of nowhere. Intrusive thoughts may be more of a spontaneous brain-based phenomenon Um, rather than a chosen cognition, a true meditation of the heart. And he says, you know, sometimes it's just a spontaneous thing that happens just simply as a result of the fall, okay? Like our minds are messed up because of the fall. 
And sometimes, you know, you'll just have these thoughts and we don't know where they come from. And so, yes, we, it's true. We need to capture our thoughts, take every thought captive to obey Christ. But at the same time, sometimes just dismiss those thoughts. Okay. That was weird. I don't know what that was. That doesn't define me. Okay. That's not true. Don't, don't give that thought more credit than it deserves. Does that make sense? Sometimes that'll happen, okay? That's not who you are. Don't put too much consideration, weight on it. That doesn't define you. That shouldn't lead you to be introspecting. You just go down this rabbit hole. I had that thought because I'm pathetic and worthless, right? Don't, don't go down that hole. Don't go down that rabbit hole, okay? I'm out of time. I want to give you guys some time um, for questions on any of this or anything in the class. That's just six of the 12 strategies, okay? And so if you found it helpful, a still and quiet mind, Esther Smith. Yes. Yeah, I think I would, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I think any type of... Because we do have sinful thoughts, and sometimes even we don't know where they come from. Yeah, you still ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. Please help me to not have that thought. Um, I mean, the Lord does... I mean, we're in the process of sanctification, so I think he... I mean, of course, he... What does Romans 8 say, right? How will he, you know, how will he not give us all things? He's going to help us, right? So, yeah, I, I definitely think you know, pray, Lord, please forgive me. But don't get, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't get bogged down. Like, oh my goodness, I had this thought because 27 years ago, this happened. And I don't think I ever truly repented from that. Okay. Like, maybe not. I mean, maybe, but probably not. Right? Just sometimes part of our sinful condition, sometimes these things just pop up and we don't know exactly where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, sometimes when those things happen, you do need to reflect, okay, is there any type of media consumption that's helped? You know, like maybe just like violent thoughts, okay? Well, I've been watching a lot of World War II movies lately. Maybe I shouldn't. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that could happen, right? Um, you know, something, you're having, you know, a sinful dream or something like that. Well, you know, what have you been intaking? There, there could be, so use that. Maybe there's something I need to get rid of, but... It, I, I don't know. Each case is different. So talk to someone about it. So, yes? Because it always just reminds me about, was it like two years ago? Um, maybe three, right at the start of COVID, I was just gripped by oppressive fear and anxiety. Hmm. I accidentally let myself go down the Gates rabbit hole, which no one should ever do, and conspiracy theories of plenty. Yeah. Mm. And I remember every year I'm like this this poor man beside me, I'm like in a puddle of tears because I'm just terrified my kids are gonna get taken away from me. Yeah. Because we're not getting vaccinated and so all this mm. stigma and just nonsense. And it was like three days of just the most oppressive fear I've ever felt in my yeah. life. And he would come home and he'd just he'd say to me, Philip, think about this. Just just don't think those things. And I'm like, Okay, hello. That sounds really, really easy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. I was just saturated in the word. Yeah. I was studying everything that I could on fear and God will to be delivering people. And now on this side of it it's easier when those thoughts creep in, when that fear and that uncertainty about the future like goes on creeps in, just don't think about the thing that I'm like, Oh, don't think my kids. Right. Um, think about the Lord and how he loves them. 
Yep. And how he will take care of them and how he's a better protector provider for them than I could ever have. And yep. kind of all thanks to this guy who was like, don't dwell on it. Don't miss right. it on Yeah. Yeah, no, good example. Yeah. So that's where I'd go back. You know, if we're just like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, you're going to do that, right? I remember, I think it was like seventh or eighth grade, I was like, okay, don't want to sin like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Don't want to do this. And it's just like, this isn't working. <laughs> and and like, it, like someone finally, I think it was like in college, I heard a sermon and it was just like, you can't do that. You have to delight in Christ. You have to go back to, right, all the way back to, um, the first slide here, right? The only way to get rid of self, whatever, whatever it is, you know, false truth. Well, not false. Well, obviously, it's, if it's false, it's not true. Uh, <laughs> if it's fake news, uh, right? You know, this, this fear that's like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? All this stuff. Go back to Philippians 4.8. Whatever's true, set your mind on these things, okay? That's how you get rid of yourself, whatever it is, whatever problem you're having. You become so absorbed in someone or something else. Yeah, that's good good stuff. Anything else? So anything that you're like, hey, this was really good. Um, let's go over that again. Um, this was unclear. Could you talk about this? Here's one thing you haven't talked about. Anything like that for eight weeks? What? I actually feel like this uh, one or A, B, and C, D, mm-hmm. those I actually think were probably going to be the most practical, like helpful, like, yeah. even though it was today. So was... Yeah, no, it was good. Help me. Yeah. Who's the author of the book? Uh, this one, Esther Smith. A still and quiet mind. The only qualm I have with this book is in the best chapter on Capture Your Thoughts. And she references um, The Practice in the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, which if you've read True Devotion, he kind of attacks that a little bit. So it's just kind of like, ah, I wouldn't recommend reading that book. But it's okay. That is the only qualm I think I had with the whole book. Really good book. So I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Anything else? Okay. So next week, we'll review some of this. But like I said, it's not going to be, don't be like, oh, I don't need to go to that because I've already heard, learned everything. Um, we're going to review some of those key points, but also, like, where do we go from here? And really, I want to lay out, okay, how do we take this and help one another? Okay, whether you're an introspective person or not, we're called to encourage and build one another up, right? We are equipped. The, God has given us everything in his word for life and godliness, and it is sufficient to counsel one another, Okay. And so how do we do that? I kind of want to spend maybe 15 minutes or so on that. Okay, next week in the sanctuary, 9 a.m. You're dismissed.